0: Well, a couple years ago, when my family and I came here to this church, we had no idea of the growth and the love that we would experience here at The Rock. Under, the, um, under Pastor Ross, his Holy Spirit-anointed preaching, his Christ-exalting exalted mentality, we have just exploded as Christians, and it's just been fantastic, and the people here, you guys... The first time I met Pastor Ross, he invited me to the church, and he and he called it the Love Shack. And he said, he said, once you come to the Love Shack, you'll never go back. And that's that's been absolutely true. So, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter five as I pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Everybody there? Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this privilege and this honor uh, to be in your word. Our desire is to hear from you today, so we ask, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would reveal yourself to each and every single person through your word, in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Well, in May of this year, my great grandmother, my little nana—I call her little nana. She went home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. She was the sweetest, kindest, most loving woman I have ever met. She was always filled with encouraging compliments. She would call me sweetie and and Jim Bob and and <laughs> precious. And she was she was Italian, and so she would always give me little kisses you know and she would and as a, as a grown man i would come over to her house and she would always have me stand against the door to measure me to see if i had gotten any taller and and i always left there just feeling like the most amazing person just because of how she treated me her she was she was so hospitable her house was a home away from home you could go there and and raid the fridge without feeling awkward you could Lay on the couch, kick your kick your feet up, and and turn on the TV. It was just it was home. It was it was peaceful. It was wonderful. But things weren't always so easy for her. So because she lived to be eighty nine years old, and so she had many trials, many groanings in this life, if you would, uh, physical trials. Um, her feet would swell up, and so she had to move around on one of those battery-powered wheelchairs. And she also had many um, family-related trials. Um, we had many of our family members end up in prison and many premature deaths. So it was, it was very difficult at times for her, but she was able to get through all of her trials because in her mind they were but a momentary light affliction to her because she was a believer in Jesus Christ and it was her yearning, her longing, her groaning for heaven that gave her hope to persevere through the darkest nights and her longing for Jesus Christ, her desire for him and to serve him poured out into the lives of many people. Um, My big nana who is here today, um, her salvation is due in part to my little nana, my mother, who is with Jesus Christ, her salvation is due to my little Nana. My, my half sister, her mom, her salvation is due to my little Nana. Uh, myself, I got saved because of my big Nana, which, who was influenced by my little Nana. And so she just had, she was a very powerful woman. When I went to her wake and we were all talking about her, I was one of the first people to get up and speak. And, And I spoke about how her faith in Jesus Christ had deeply impacted my life. And then I sat down and I was thinking, well, I'm probably the only one who's going to speak about her faith in Jesus. But then person after person after person after person, everybody got up and talked about her faith in Jesus Christ. You see, my little Nana, she ran her race well. She finished the race strong because she knew... She knew the reality of her hope, that she would be standing before Jesus Christ soon, whether it was today for her, tomorrow, or when she was 89 years old. And in our text today, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that our life that we live down here, it's a temporary life. It's 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 a tent life. It's a nomadic life. We're just passing through, and really, we're heading for heaven, and so that is great motivation for us to do well. So let's look at our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. I'll read the text, and then we'll work our way back through. Does that sound good? Excellent. So the word of God, he says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. ...an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, ...because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, ...because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, ...so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose... And has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Excuse me. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So that's our text today, and we're going to look at three points. Point number one, our temporary dwelling. Point number two, a longing for heaven. And point number three, a motivation to do well. So let's look at point number one, our temporary dwelling verse 1 he says now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from god and e- a building from god an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands so the apostle paul he was a tent maker and he would have been very familiar with the durability of a tent he would have known that through weather through human use and just over time that the tents he was making would be destroyed they were not built to last forever they were for that nomadic use and he says here in verse 1 hey look your body it's it's like a tent it's not built to last forever now he knows some tents are better than other others some seem to be put together better some are made out of titanium while others are made out of twigs some are harder to carry around and and some just appear more appealing to the eyes. But ultimately, all of our tents, all of our bodies are going to be destroyed, whether it's through weather, the storms of this life, use, time. It's going to happen. Our bodies, they're not built to last forever. They're a tent. They're just for passing through this world. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was, he was very aware of his mortality. He was put in prison many times where the conditions were not suitable for a healthy lifestyle. He was flogged. Many people died during a flogging. He was uh, five times he received the 40 lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned one time and left for dead. He he was shipwrecked three times, and he spent a day and a night in the sea with God knows what kind of monsters were out there. So Paul was very aware, and I think he would have been very familiar with a quote by David in Samuel, and he says it like this, there is only a step between me and death. Now, I've had... Many close encounters with death. I've shared with the young adults a few of them, and I'm going to share one of those today. One time, a few friends in, uh, of mine were driving. We were driving in a truck. It was a hot summer day. I lived up in Idaho, and we were out on a mountain road. And there's a mountain on one side, and then there's a cliff on the other. It's a very narrow, windy road. And we were going very, very fast, just having a good time, just being kids, and there was a, 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 cur- a curve coming up right around the corner, and so I prepared to take the curve, but out of nowhere, the road turned into gravel, from asphalt to gravel, and so you know what happens when the road turns from asphalt to gravel. You don't stop very good. When it turned to gravel, I hit the brakes, and instead of stopping, uh, we went right off the cliff. And, of course, we all thought we were going to die. I brace the steering wheel like this. Boom. Everyone starts screaming, and we go off the cliff. Obviously, I survived. We landed on a giant boulder. All the wheels on the truck were like this, but there was nobody, nobody was injured. And I, I look back on that, and I say, that's the grace of God. I should be dead, and I didn't know the Lord at that time, so you know where I would be. I'd be in the, the other place. So the point, folks, is that our life, is a vapor, it could end at any moment. Our bodies are going to return to the dust from whence they came. There is only a step between us and death. Our plane is going down at any moment. And we're going to be ejected into the open sky. And so we need to have our parachute on. We need to be prepared And our parachute is the promises of God. Verse 1, he says, We know if this earthly tent is destroyed. So he says, hey, look, we have confidence. Those of us who are Christians, who are born again, we have this confidence, this assurance in the faithfulness of God. He doesn't lie. All of his promises are amen. He can be trusted. And one of my most favorite promises from the Lord Jesus Christ Christ is in um, John chapter 11. He says it like this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes on me will never die. That's a promise from Jesus Christ to us, What a beautiful promise. He gives us assurance. He says, look, folks, I'm going to give you an upgrade. I know that your tent may have some rips in it. It might be falling apart. It might not look the way you want it to look. It might be worn out, but I have a promise for you. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for, For you, it's an eternal house in the heavens, not built by human hands. It's a building from God. Fantastic. So he says, look, be encouraged. My work on the cross, the blood that I shed for you, it purchased your soul. It purchased the forgiveness of all of your sins and because I rose from the dead on the 3rd day that guarantees that you too will rise from the dead I'm talking about the redemption of your bodies it's glorious just as Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21 says our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under his, con- under his control will transform our lowly bodies, our tents, so that they will be like His glorious body. No more sin, no more death, no more sickness, No more sorrow. That's a promise from Jesus to us. You can face anything, anything in this life hanging on to that promise from our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's move on and look at our second point, a longing for heaven, verses two through four. He says, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked for while we are in this tent we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what what is mortal may be swallowed up by life so what he's saying here is is that we're yearning we're we're longing for heaven to be settled in our heavenly home to be out of these tense now a few years ago I lived in Petaluma with my beautiful amazing wife and our three little kids and we lived in a two-bedroom apartment it was really small it was cramped our kids were little our backyard consisted of a cement slab no bigger than your bathroom if you opened the front door you had a beautiful view of a street running right through our yard. It was, it was amazing. We had single-pane windows, so it was really drafty in our house, and oftentimes they it would, it would be mildewed. And there was a, a wall heater, a double-sided wall heater, so the house was either too hot or it was too cold. So it was just really uncomfortable. And then I remember when we found out about these townhomes that were being built in Sebastopol. Three-bedroom, two-bath, two stories. It was, really? This, is, this sounds amazing. And so we put in our application, and when we found out that we were approved, we were so excited. We were moving on up, folks. It was an upgrade. But there was a, there was a waiting period Between the time, uh, between that time when we get our new home and how we waited eagerly, we longed and yearned to be in that new house. And in the same way, uh, we're in these tents and things are a little bit uncomfortable right now. There's not much room to move around. We're on this narrow path. We struggle with uh, our thoughts, we wrestle with sin, and we deal with with difficult circumstances, but we've heard about these homes that are being built in heaven. And God says to us, hey, look, just RSVP, reserve your space via prayer. Whoever whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called on his name today? once you do, you got a spot, a building from God, an eternal house in the heavens waiting for you. So for those of us who have reserved our space, who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we're just in this waiting period right now, anticipating that which is to come, our place in his kingdom. Glorious. Now, we have many good reasons to long for heaven, the stresses of this life. I mean, we're surrounded with ungodliness, wars, injustice, abuse, sickness, and death. It's, it's hard. A few years ago, my wife, my lovely wife, she got really, really sick, and uh, we were taking her to the emergency room, and they could not figure out what was wrong with her, And so they'd send us home, and and they just didn't know. Maybe she has the flu or something, and then it got worse. And so we took her back, and, and this kind of went on for a little while. Finally, somebody figured out what was wrong with her. She had a cyst on her ovary that had exploded in her body. And so she was bleeding internally. And the doctor did not think that she was going to make it through the weekend she couldn't hold down any food or any water it was it was very, very scary and I just remember wanting it to all be over, Lord, your kingdom already, no more sickness, no more death, no more dealing with sorrow and trials and you know the the Lord has his way of comforting us as we await that which is ours he's 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 with us. He he understands how we feel. And he understands what we're going through because he has been here. Jesus, he became a man. John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling, it's the Greek word Skeno, which means to tent. So Jesus, he was walking around in a tent. God, in a tent. And so he understands. And he groaned in this life. In John chapter 11, at the tomb of Lazarus, looking around, seeing the, the sorrow and the grief that has been caused by sin and the death and and the weeping. It says that he was moved deeply in his spirit. He groaned. He's able to relate to us. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus is surrounded by ungodly people, unbelievers who refuse to believe in him. They ask him to perform signs even though he's already done many miraculous signs. And it says there that he was troubled, that he groaned because he's surrounded by these people who just refuse to believe. So folks, Jesus, our great high priest, he understands. He's able to comfort us. He says, I know you're surrounded by these things. I've been there. And I'm here with you now. Look to me. I have grace to help you in your time of need. Wonderful, wonderful is our God. Now I believe the greatest reason that we long for heaven is that we're going to see the face of Jesus Christ in all his glory, in all his majesty. Let's look at verses 5 through 8. Now it is God... Who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, one of my favorite analogies is the analogy of a first-century Jewish wedding. There would be a price negotiated for the bride, and then the groom-to-be would come to his desired bride, and he he would offer himself to her. And if she accepted his invitation, his offer, then the groom would give the bride a gift, a down payment, usually an engagement ring, guaranteeing that which was to come. And then he would depart, and he would go to his father's house to prepare a place for him and his bride to be forever, to enjoy their lives together. And oh, how she would long to see his face while he was away preparing that place for them. She was walking by faith. She knew he was going to come back. And this is, that's us. The price that was negotiated for us, the bride of Christ, was the blood of Jesus. Hands nailed to a cross. Feet nailed to that cross. The crown of thorns. The suffering. That was the price that was paid for us to be redeemed. And then the groom, he came to you. He came to me and he offered himself to us. He said, will you receive me? Will you believe in me? And once you accepted, once you said, yes, I believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ, he gave you a gift. He slipped that engagement ring on your finger. He put the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of your heart, guaranteeing that which is to come. But he's gone right now, the Lord. He's at the Father's house preparing a place for us where we'll be with him forever, where we'll see his face and hear his voice and worship him in all of his glory. And so right now, We're walking by faith. Our desire is to be with him. (sighs) Amazing. Our value in the sight of God. He says, look, you're the apple of my eye. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. I love you with an everlasting love. What a great king we serve. And we have much, much to look forward to, folks. It's glorious. Let's move on to our final point. A motivation to do well. Verses 9 through 10. He says, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So in the New Testament, there are three judgments that are described. The first judgment is the judgment of the sheep and the goats described in Matthew chapter 25. It's at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. Our Lord Jesus Christ comes back from heaven, in all of his glory, and all of his majesty, and he separates the believers who got saved during the tribulation period from those who refused to believe. The believers enter into the millennial reign while the non-believers are sent away to eternal punishment. Folks, we won't be at this judgment. We're going to be called out before the tribulation period begins. The next judgment in the scriptures that we read about is the great white throne judgment talked about in Revelation chapter 20. It's at the end of all time, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth, and it's a judgment where all non-believers of all time will stand before God, And their book will be opened, the book of their life, the book of what they have done, of what they have said, their motives, and they'll be judged by the Lord. We won't be at that judgment. Praise God. And then there's the judgment seat of Christ, which we find in our text. Everyone who has put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will stand before him. And we will not be judged like non believers. Our salvation is secure. We have assurance, but we're judged for rewards. It's an evaluation of of the stewardship that has been entrusted to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. What you have done with his gospel, what you have done with the talents that he has given to you, your spiritual gifts your resources was it for him was it for his glory was it for his honor that's how you'll be evaluated he's not looking for perfect perfection folks he just wants us to be faithful with what he's given to us now my kids i love talking about my kids When I want to do something special for them, like take them to a movie reward them, I ask them to do something. I just say, go upstairs and make sure that your room is clean first. And I just expect them to pick up their toys, pick up their clothes, and make their bed. Really simple. It doesn't have to be perfect. Your beds don't have to be creased. Clothes don't have to be perfectly folded. Just just pick up your room a little bit. I'm not expecting them to get the cobwebs polish the door handles, vacuum, um, and clean the windows. That would be absolutely ridiculous because my kids are little. I just want them to be faithful. Do what you can. And the Lord says the same thing. I just want you to be faithful with what I've entrusted to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, describes the rewards, the reward process. If you've done, if you've done Uh, faithfully with what god has given to you you'll be rewarded but if not it'll just be burned up that part of your life wasted gone no more so we want to do well now i love this analogy and then we'll close up of uh, the corinthian games paul's writing to the corinthians and in corinth they had these huge athletic events that were second in comparison only to the olympics of that time and so the athletes that were involved in these games, they, they took it very, very seriously. Their eyes were, were on the prize. Their entire life, all of their decisions revolved around that event that they were going to be participating in. Uh, they, they, they wanted to do well on that day. They wanted to succeed. They wanted to hear the judges say, well done. Now imagine the look on their faces on that day as they cross the finish line and they stand before the judges and, and the crowd is applausing. Imagine the look. I mean, in their mind, they, they know what they've gone through, the tough choices that they had to make so that they would do well. They must have just been so overwhelmed with joy everything they did was for this laurel wreath. It was a corruptible crown that would be placed on their head by the judges. It wasn't going to last forever, folks. Now, in the same way, we're in a race. It's a race against ourselves and and our choices. All of our choices, all of our decisions in this life should be based around our future, around that event we're going to participate in, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Imagine yourself, you, me, imagine yourself standing before the judge, Jesus Christ, and imagine him saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? And Peter talks about this rich entrance that is provided for those who run their race well. Good job, good job. And then the Lord, he will not give us a corruptible crown, but he will give us this incorruptible crown that will never, ever fade away. Now that is an awesome, awesome motivation to do well. Amen? Amen. So, wrapping up. We're only in these tents, in these bodies, temporarily. But our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He's building us a home in heaven, and He will someday take us home to be with Him whether it's today or tomorrow or, or whenever, it's going to happen. So let's finish our races strong, just like my little Nana did. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, so much that you have called us out of darkness into this glorious light. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we sinners should be called the children of God. You are amazing, Lord. We love you so much. We know our life is a vapor. And we know that you're preparing a place for us in heaven. And we know we're going to stand before you. Our great desire, Lord, is, is to be faithful with the stewardship that you've entrusted to us. But we need your help, God. So I ask and pray that you would, you would help us to run our race as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You can... We serve a great God, don't we, folks? A great King, a living Savior who has conquered death. It's such an honor to know him. I've known him for seven years. And I just want to give a shout out today to those of you who have never given your life to Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he has a gift for you. It's eternal life. The forgiveness of all of your sins. A relationship with the God who made you. I encourage you, take him up on his offer today. We have folks under the cross who are willing to to talk with you about these things and to pray with you. So go and talk to them. And for those of you who know Jesus Christ, who have been so privileged and blessed in your relationship with him, walk strong today. If you're struggling, just look to the Lord. He understands. He's been here, remember? He's well acquainted with all of our griefs, all of our hardships. He has grace to help you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And as, as we leave this place, we ask that you would just set our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. God bless you.